Okay, so in today's episode, we are going to talk video games. That's right, gaming. So I am a gamer. You probably know a gamer, and you may be a gamer. We're going to talk about addiction, new Chinese laws that affect children, minors under the age of 18, that is, and the rise, well, I should say the uh, concrete nature of esports and millionaire teenagers. All right, stay tuned, folks. It's about to get deep. Before getting into today's episode, I'm going to ask that you do me a favor. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Apple Play Store, or even Anchor, do me a favor and follow the show. Favor the show, like the show, however you make sure that you're aware of upcoming episodes. I post this show Monday through Friday. I usually pre-record the show at least a day early, sometimes up to three days early. And it's something that I take very seriously. It's something I'm really enjoying doing. So uh, by the end of this show, if you find value, do me a favor. Find me on all the social media. Follow me at TDGR Podcast. And of course, like and follow the show. I want to make more for you folks, but I want to make sure I'm making the right message and right difference for you. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. So the first video game I remember was Pong. I remember playing it uh, on an Atari. I don't ever remember what happened to the Atari. Heck, I don't remember any extra games for the Atari. I don't know if my mom and dad sold it, but I lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I was about five years old, and I remember playing Pong on the Atari. Remember, my buddy had a thing called a Clinko Vision. I don't remember anything about that. But video games have been a part of my life for as long as I've been alive. In fact, here's a fun story for you parents out there. I had to buy my first Nintendo, the uh, regular Nintendo Entertainment System, which cost $200, which, by the way, in today's money is over $700. So these new consoles that come out that are five, six hundred bucks, these were $700 by today's money. Anyway, I had to buy my first one with what my parents called were Nintendo bucks. So my buddy Cam Sautel had uh, a Nintendo, and I really, really, really wanted one. And so I kept asking my parents for one. And ultimately, what they decided was that if I could bring home good grades for everything that had good writing on it, on papers, on, on tests, on whatever, I would get two Nintendo bucks. And Nintendo bucks were literally a post-it that said two Nintendo bucks on it. But I had to save up $200 worth of Nintendo bucks. And if it was a big test or something that was very challenging, I might get five. But for the most part, they were all worth two. So I would take them and I would stick these post-its on my door to my room. And every day, I would get up and count them to see how many I had. I'd do the math and figure out how many I had left. And it was one of the smartest things my parents, I think, did as a kid to teach me the value of saving up for something that you want and to look at earning it and to setting goals and all that stuff. But I was really paranoid that my little sister, who was seven years younger than me, would take some or that they would fall off and and something would happen and they would disappear. So every night before bed, I would count them. Every day when I woke up, I would count them. I would, when I came home from school, I would show my parents any new papers that I had to earn more than 10 bucks. I would count them. Now, looking back in retrospect, I probably just could have gotten a note sheet and, you know, written it down to keep track, but I had that number in my head, $200, that's what I needed, 210 bucks. And I think my parents were both shocked and proud when I hit that 200 mark, and they were able to uh, go out and buy me the Nintendo Entertainment System. So it was really kind of a cool thing, a good way for me to learn how to do stuff, um, and rewarding me for hard work. 
Um, and I would go and I would go ask for extra credit stuff, and my teachers just thought, I, didn't, I never told them about the Nintendo Bucks bribing system, but my parent and my teachers thought that I was just that interested in learning that I wanted as much extra credit as I could get and as many worksheets as I could get. And then I'd ask them if I got things right, I would ask them to put a positive comment on there because, hey, that's Nintendo Bucks. So I, I brought it home, I worked in the system, and I ended up getting my first Nintendo. And, uh, you know, Duck Hunt, Mario, Legend of Zelda, um, all of those games were a big part of my childhood. Um, Dr. Mario, Tetris, and all of my friends were getting Nintendos, and that was a big deal. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've always been a love of gamer. I've always been a sucker for good graphics. But this show is actually not just about my childhood today. Um, I, well, my childhood and how I'm raising my children today and how, you know, they are also becoming gamers, but not to the, I don't know if it's to the extent that I was or not, but it's about children around the world and how gaming is an addiction. It is literally an addiction. And so to cut, cut kids off cold turkey, you know, that, that can cause some problems if they have an addictive personality. It's that uh, release of dopamine. When you push a button, you get an instant reaction. It's the challenge of seeing that you got so far and so close in, in a dungeon or whatever whatever the goal was. You were super close. And it's that competitive nature that you have with others. And now we live in a world where it's online gaming and people are crazy competitive. And, you know, I could get into the details about, you know, online cyberbullying and, and games and the role that plays or the confidence building that you get or how I used uh, Minecraft to teach my daughter about various types of uh, fractions. She could not visualize it until I, and, and, and division and subtraction addition, she couldn't visualize what it is I was asking her to do with math problems. But the minute, I realized that the minute that I said, okay, we need a, uh, here, here was a good one, I said, okay, so we need a wall that is nine bricks high and nine bricks across, how many bricks will we need? And she quickly figured out nine times nine is 81. So she was doing multiplication and sometimes faster before before she really had addition and subtraction down. So it, it can be a good tool when it's used right. Minecraft was great. It's great for creativity. I bring all this up because things are about to change pretty drastically in China. Uh, and it's something that we should be paying attention to. In the past, I kind of I had done a podcast about how you know people are making money with video games and how companies can use ad placement in video games. But this morning, I listened to a, a plethora of news sources uh, every morning. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't want biased news, so I listen to all kinds of different news sources. And one of them happens to be IGN. And IGN reported that, I'm assuming it was the New York Times that they're reporting from, that uh, China has passed a law saying that kids under 18 have a ban on video games after 10.30 p.m. So after 10.30 p.m., they can't play video games. And they're only allowed 90 minutes per day per week. So an hour and a half per day per work weekday, I should say. And a total of three hours on the weekend. Um, and that's this is, all, this is all regulations that have passed that China is doing. So kids are not allowed. Let me recap that. 90 minutes on the weekend. Or I'm sorry, 90 minutes during the week. Three hours total on the weekend. And they have to stop playing by 10.30 p.m. And to ensure that this is something that they can um, follow up on and, and, and track, they're requiring that children register their real name uh, when online. So, 
I get that the Chinese internet is not the same as the United States internet, and it's very, very controlled. Um, but one, th and I understand the whole point of this whole thing. They, that what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that um, kids are getting uh, more opportunities to be active, be social in the real world, and, and all that. Uh, but requiring children to register their real name, I feel like, is dangerous because I don't know how big of a problem it is in China, but um, I'm going to say it's, it's, it's pretty big. Um, it's, it's, I feel like it's setting people up for predators. Um, I say that because back when I was in, uh, going to college, I took an honors class that was on uh, North Korea and the survive and I say survivors, but basically people who are trying to escape North Korea and went to China and were in the sex and human trafficking trade throughout China. Um, and we're talking very small children who are essentially married off and forced into horrible acts. And so it exists. There's a nasty, scary underbelly there. And I think that if you require children to register their real name, it takes away one more layer of protection from those who would be predators, those who would um, require them, or those who would those who would prey on them. You know, my daughter's a gamer, and she plays a little bit of Fortnite. She's big into Minecraft still, and um, she. It wasn't until very recently, uh, like last year, that I let her play online uh, with a headset. I would require that she didn't, she didn't use a headset. I wouldn't let her. And then I realized I was I was breaking into kind of her social. Uh, I was I was hampering her socially in that way. So there are very very clear rules. She can't use her real name. She can't give out any personal information whatsoever. And um, unless I'm there with her or her mom is there with her, she's only allowed to play with kids. And if she thinks and she's really really good about this, if she thinks anything is shady or inappropriate whatsoever, she blocks people. And you know. Maybe I'm a little too protective, but as a parent, my only job is to keep my kids safe. And if this is the, the, the what I got to do to do it, it's a weird time we live in, but it is what it is. You know, you have to take the steps to protect those that you care the most about. And that's kind of what I uh, am trying to do. I think, I feel like the, the, the Chinese uh, laws are a little bit extreme. I think that asking a kid to cut down, uh, I mean, 90 minutes a day, an hour and a half a day, I don't know that the government should step in and do that. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I, I really don't like to get into politics on this show, but I think that there is a certain level of parenting accountability, and your kid has to know that the real world and time with family comes first. And I get that the Chinese have a different culture than we do, and so maybe it's cutting into their their cultural values, and maybe that plays part of a role as to why this has happened. But it's definitely something that uh, we have to we have to watch and take and take consideration of because I guarantee you that other people are as well. Um, it's other people meaning, you know, our government and, and other governments. You're going to watch and see how well this works. Um, changing gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about uh, kid millionaires or kids who have the potential to earn a million dollars and be in the top 1% uh, if by being professional gamers, esports. The Obama administration had declared esports as an official sport. Um, and there are there are kids who you know go to these competitions. When I say kids, I mean you know 18 and under, and sometimes you know, a little bit older into their 20s. But they're professional gamers. That's what they do for a living. My dad used to say, "You're never going to make a living playing video games." And you know, I used to think that that was not necessarily true because I you know I, I didn't know I could maybe get into uh, uh, video game development or art or you know there's a lot of different programming that sort of thing. But 
I never thought of it as an e-sport. And it's really funny because in my last podcast where, that I had talked about gaming, um, I, I talked about how the uh, how there was a game called The Wizard uh, that Nintendo used as a major marketing thing to announce um, Super Mario Bros. 3. And ironically, the climax of that movie is a big uh, Nintendo game-off. It's a big tournament, so it was way ahead of its time. Well, now esports have become massive. Kids get sponsors, they get sponsorship deals, they're making a lot of money by doing online streaming um, and, and playing on Twitch. And then, you know, to go even further than that, they uh, they get into these tournaments and top prizes can be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It can be millions of dollars depending on the tournament. So there is money to be made, but it is, I mean, it's, it is literally a sport. So, you know, it risks, when, when kids are figuring out that they can make money playing video games and doing these esports, um, they realize that, that like anything else, you have to play a lot to get really, really freaking good. You know, if, if you jump into a first person shooter game that's online, uh, whether it be the, the next Call of Duty or Fortnite or whatever, when you drop in, you're probably going to get owned. And the person you get owned by is going to have a lot more time into the game and playing and understanding the physics of it and the trajectory and what weapons do what and where to hide and, uh, you know, the best sniping points and all that stuff. You're going to get dropped fast and it's super annoying. And, and it's because these kids, have, these kids, these people, not even just kids, have a lot of time in playing these games and they get really freaking good at it. And so, you know, there are some concerns there. A, how does that play into addiction? B, what kind of message are we sending? I mean, if these kids can win this much money, I'm sure there's age restrictions. I haven't looked too deep into it. I probably should have before doing this cast. But, eh, live and learn. Anyway, if there's age restrictions, whatever, taxes that have to come out, all that stuff, there's, you know, you would think maybe there's some kind of, uh, some kind of issue with, like, child labor laws or something. I don't know. But it's definitely worth looking into um, because if the message is you don't have to get a college education, you don't have to go to school, you can just be a pro gamer, and it's not as easy as as it looks because people don't realize how much time and and effort that they put into it, what their support system is, all that. Or, you know, you could be a professional streamer or YouTuber or whatever, you know, it, it kind of defeats the purpose of, of school. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who just aren't good at school, and so they drop out, and then they pursue their passion full-time. I'm all about pursuing your passion, but I think a basic education is is critical. I think it's vital. Now, there's a lot of argument to be made about the education system and about the, their follies there, where it's falling through, where it's falling behind, what's doing well, what's not. I'm from Iowa. We had the Iowa Test of Basic Skills, and the ITBS tests became... Um, became a standard across the country for a while. I don't think they are anymore, but they were. And kids everywhere dreaded the ITBS test. So, you know, standardized testing, that's a whole other issue. But I think that one of the things to consider about it, about, about the education system, is it's not just about a formal education. It's about learning how to socialize. It's about getting your confidence. It's about going to dances. It's about interacting with other people. And I think, you know... Anything that takes you out of the arena where you can learn to network, essentially, isn't necessarily a good thing. So I do believe that you should be required to go to school a certain number of years. Um, whether that is through an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, I'm not going to say that. I mean, especially when we have to pay for that out of our pocket, I'm not going to say that that should be required. But 
you know, I don't like the idea of this message that if you drop out of school and become a professional YouTuber or a professional gamer, then you can you can make all your money there. Um, the other thing too is that our perceptive our per, our perspective of, of uh, money in the United States is so so friggin' skewed. First off, we're the richest country in the world. That's still true. We may not have the biggest population, but we got the most money. And part of that, it, you know, that culture makes us feel kind of entitled. You know, we, we don't we don't suffer and struggle the way a lot of third world countries do. We take a lot of things for granted. You know, we live in these places where we can, we are we are essentially gods. And what I mean by that is we can control the temperature. We can control the weather. How I mean, if if it's too hot, we can flip a switch and it gets colder. If it's too cold, we can flip a switch and it gets hotter. We have electricity that we take for granted. We have communication devices that we take for granted. And and all of these things, you know, there's a lot of value put on that, or that's not put on that, rather, that, that is taken for granted. And it's something that we have to keep in mind that we are very fortunate. That being said, there is this misconception that all these teenagers who, whether they're TikTokers or social media blog, whatever, that they're going to be millionaires. That that's the, for somehow, that somehow, some reason, that is the standard of success. As if you can be a millionaire in America, then you've made it. Well, A, okay, that's true as far as finances go. If you're a millionaire, you've made it. But what people don't realize is that the top 1% in the United States of America isn't a million dollars. It isn't a billion dollars. The top 1% is $400,000 plus. It's like 408000 or something, but it's, it's, it's literally less than half a million dollars a year, and you're in the top 1% of the country. So, you know, we got, I think the idea that we're chasing this millionaire status, um, whether it's because by playing esports or whatever, I mean, that, that's it's ludicrous. We really do need to, to, to slow down and, and define our happiness and define our success and, and figure out what we really want because it's unrealistic to think that we're all going to be millionaires. And if you're, you're a kid, I'm sorry to tell you, odds are against you hardcore that you're going to be a millionaire. If you work really, if you work your ass off, you might end up getting in that top 1%. You might end up getting $400,000 a year. But frankly, you're making a damn good living at $70,000 a year. You're making a damn good living at $100,000 a year. And frankly, you're not having to worry for much in most parts of the country if you're making $50,000 a year. And frankly, to get into that level of $50,000 a year, you have to at least have a bachelor's degree. How do I know? Because I was chasing that magic number for so long and I didn't even get close to it until I had a bachelor's degree. Most college-educated kids who get out of, uh, after, out of their undergrad studies are lucky to get into a position where they make more than $45,000 a year. Like that's the, that's actually pretty close to the starting pay of people who graduate from the school that I that I went to, Iowa State. It's like 45 grand a year. Depending on your field, you know, it could be a little bit more, it could be a little bit less. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm chasing an arbitrary number, but it's not super arbitrary because I have defined my financial success as, and I've said this before in other shows, as what is going to make my family financially stable. What is it going to take for my wife to not have to work, for my bills to get paid, and for me not to have to worry, and for me to be able to afford the things I want, not need necessarily, but want, beyond needs, and that number is, is set. I know what that number is. Am I there yet? No. 
but I have added things up and I figured out, you know, if I want to make sure that I'm making my mortgage payments, making all the basic payments I need to make on top of my bills, the other bills, on top of being able to afford, you know, the, the a certain amount that I want to set aside for Christmas and for birthdays and things like that, how much do I need per year? And that's kind of a number that I'm chasing and I'm not quite there yet. I'm at a point where I can live somewhat comfortably and I don't have to worry about living paycheck to paycheck. But I'll tell you right now, if you, my demographic, the reason I just chose to do this show is that I was looking at my analytics and my demographic tends to skew 18 to, to, to 30. So you, if you're in that age group, you kind of can relate to a lot of what I'm saying, but also you influence people who are younger than you. And so you have a little brother, a little sister, little cousins, little nieces, nephews, whatever, that look up to you and you have the opportunity to, to spread the me this message and to you know help them set clear expectations. We live in a digital, super connected world and so it's really important that we're all on the same page as to what matters most and as to what realistic goals are and to what success is. And I think setting goals is important. So uh, in the, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a little musical break here in a second and then after that we'll come back to the final part of the show, which is all about goal setting. But I think that it's important to really consider uh, what it takes financially. Because listen, living paycheck to paycheck sucks ass. It really does. It really, really does. Having to pinch between, having to wonder, okay, I can afford to put five bucks worth of gas in my tank. How, how far is that going to get me? How long will that last me? You know, um, for groceries, I have to, I'm going to buy, I know I've got to buy ramen noodles and i got to buy mac and cheese because they're cheap and I know they can fill me up. Are they the best thing in the world for me? Hell no. They're full of preservatives. But you know what? This is what I have to do to survive. Can I afford to buy a bunch of veggies so I can have a fresh salad? Nah, probably not. So what do I need to cut back on? I'm going to have to skip the mortgage payment this month so that I can pay my insurance, so I can pay my car payment. That sucks. Knowing full well that I'm going to have to pay twice as much next month to get caught up. Been there, done that. It sucks. Bills suck. But it is what it is. And, you know, there's two solutions. You either save your money and don't buy stupid shit that you're buying to impress other people. Don't do that. Um, or downsize. You know, there's no shame in selling your house and living, paying rent again. You know, they say that land is... is there's an old uh, Lex Luthor quote from uh, Superman Returns where he says, land, it's the one thing they're not making anymore of, you know, property. And that's that's true. And they say land always holds its value, but your house won't. You know, your house is going to decrease in value. Everything you own decreases in value. So make smart choices about what you invest in. And, and the funny, I, I didn't plan to get into the finances when I was talking about video games, but that's the cool thing about my podcast is sometimes it just goes where it goes. So I'm going to wrap this show up with a segment about goals. I hope you stay tuned for it. Um, and uh, yeah, so stay tuned. Actually, before I do that, I'm going to point out one other thing. Um, the Chinese thing I was talking about before, the other thing is that they can't spend more than $23 to $53 um, per month in money. They can't in microtransactions. Gaming also costs a lot of money. That was that was where the action... That's what ties it all back together. I knew that that was there. I knew it was something. But the economics of gaming, you're, you're buying something that's intangible um, to improve something that's intangible that you're not going to give a shit about. And mobile gaming is... I mean, you can spend hundreds of dollars on microtransactions 
in mobile gaming to get ahead, or it's a, it's pay to play, it's freemium model, you know. So there's a lot of money to be to be lost to video games, and you have to be really careful about that. You know, when it I when I was growing up, if you paid you know 45, 50 bucks for a video game, it was complete. There were no add-ons, there were no DLC, no downloadable content. You got what you got. And now, if you buy a $65 game, which is the, the going rate, there's a really good chance that there's going to be downloadable content to expand that experience. People have come to expect it. They'll pay anywhere from $10 to another $30 for extra downloadable content to make their game go even further. It's, it's interesting. It's kind of crazy. But again, it is what it is. And um, so there's a lot of money that can be spent in gaming as well. And so that's the Chinese are... are locking down on that saying if you're under 18 you can't spend more than 50 bucks a month on on gaming well i don't know if it's a month it might be a week i don't know i think it's a month anyway so yeah something else to think about okay for the final segment of the show here i wanted to talk to you a little bit about goal setting now this is good for anybody for anywhere in life they say that a goal should be uh star that's the acronym and that is specific, time-oriented, uh, uh, actionable, and realistic. So if you're going to set a goal, you want to set it. You want to be very specific about what that goal is. You have to have measurable. Uh, uh, well, actually, I'll come to that. You have to have a time frame that you want to achieve the goal by. You have to. Have, it, it has to be something that's actionable. So you want something measure, measurable, quantifiable that you can see that you've made progress, and it has to be realistic. So I can't expect to write a 500-page novel by tomorrow. That's not realistic. Is it uh, specific? Absolutely. Is it time-oriented? Absolutely. Is it actionable? Sure. Is it realistic? Not really. With my life, it's just not realistic. So you've got to match all of those things to set goals and, and uh, kick butt and take names. And, and I found that that really, really helps, especially when getting motivated. What's that have to do with gaming and uh, you know becoming a successful gamer or whatever? If, if that's your dream, if that's your goal, and you really want to go all in on it, then you need to set very specific goals. You need to follow that star, and um, that's that's what you need to do. Now, there's another form of star that I that I used a lot in leadership, that was um, that was situation, task, action, result. So the idea is, what is this? It, it was eval it was evaluating problem solving is what that acronym acronym was for. What was the situation? What was the task that needed to be completed um, to resolve the situation? What was the action that you took to, um, to, to take on that task? And then you evaluate and figure out what the result is. So you can use both STAR and the STAR um, goal setting. You can use both of those together to solve problems as well. But uh, yeah, that's about it. I feel like I felt like that would fit in here nicely. I was a little wrong, but you know what? It's uh, it's all good. Uh, thank you very much for tuning into the Burping Reality. If you found value in this show, you know what to do. Share it across your social. Let people know. And uh, I thank you, thank you, thank you for your time and your investment in uh, yourself by listening to this show. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you want to be a guest on the show, hit me up. You can find me on most social media at deep, the Deep Burping Reality. No, it's at it's at TDGR podcast uh, or wherever uh, you listen to podcasts except I'm being told I'm not on Apple yet which is weird so um, the deep gripping reality podcast look me up ask your smart speaker to play it 
um, and reach out and talk to me. I want to find out what you think. I want to find out your, your thoughts, your questions, your comments. And if you want to be a guest, I want to have you. So thank you very much. And uh, until next time, dig deep, my friends.